in the kingdom of Jesus, there's only one rhythm, right? Right. And it's the beat of the heart of Jesus. So you can't bring your own drummer. Right. And you can't drum to the beat of your own drummer in the kingdom of Jesus. You have to want to follow. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast designed to coach you up in your faith. The more you know, the more you grow. The importance of growing your faith is now more critical than ever. The world we live in is more global than ever, and we are exposed to ideologies from across the worldview spectrum. We have access to more information today than any other time in human history, and that also means we have more access to misinformation than any time <laughs> in human history. So true. It gets real confusing real fast, and people can be easily manipulated. If you don't want to be deceived, manipulated, or confused, then it is important to know what you believe and why you believe it. This allows you to think for yourself and to be able to see the truth through all the deception, find the truth in the information and data. The only way to navigate today's world is to develop a strong and clear faith. Our goal is to give you what you need to grow your own faith, to think for yourself, and to come to your own conclusions. We want to provide you with the tools, the facts, and the perspective to think for yourself. My name is Jesse Merrill. I'll be your host, but we cannot do this without our leader, our guide, our captain at the helm of our adventure, the salty pastor himself, Dr. Douglas Peak. Hey, everyone. I hope you're having a good new year, and I hope that you're excited and inspired about what can happen in the the course of the next 12 months, 11 and a half already. Boy, time flies, mm -hmm. doesn't it? Uh, I'm just glad you guys are with us. I want you to have a great year with us. We're going to do a lot of really great things on the Salty Pastor, and I want you to be a part of it. Do me a favor and go to YouTube and like and subscribe. If you're listening to this on uh, Apple Podcasts, just give it a, a thumbs up or five star or whatever, because that just feeds the algorithms. So we really need you to like and subscribe. Uh, one reason why is we really want to get this up to uh, to a thousand subscribers on YouTube because we started a brand new YouTube channel for this, and so we'd like to see that happen in the new year, twenty twenty four. I think we're going to do that, and it's going to be a great platform that extends far beyond just Foothills uh, Christian Church, but to a more national audience. So we're excited about all the opportunities that the Lord is laying before us, and we just hope that you can be a part of it. Absolutely. And last week we introduced our brand new theme for the year, Expand the Kingdom of God. This is the next step after last year's theme, which focused on what is the kingdom of God. And once a person understands that, knowing Jesus is, is, is about living in his kingdom here on earth, it makes perfect sense to explore where you fit in in the kingdom of God here on earth. What is your purpose in being part of the kingdom of God here on earth? And, and all those questions are answered after you understand what it is. So this entire year is going to be dedicated to what happens in your life when you start living for the purpose that the kingdom of God has for yeah. you. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I, I think that's one of the most fascinating paradoxes of life. It's a contradiction, it seems, on the surface, right? On the one, the one hand, the point of our life is fulfillment. I mean, what drives us and motivates us at every level is a subconscious drive for fulfillment. For instance, if uh, you're hungry, what do you do? You eat until you're, you know, full. full. You know, if you're tired, what do you do? You sleep. <laughs> you know, if you if you get enough sleep, you do well. If you so even our most base desires are driven by fulfillment, but so is everything else. Love and value and meaning and purpose. You know, nobody wants to live a life that's miserable. We all want to live a life that is joyous or happy, right? And so the point of life is fulfillment. 
It, it, what's interesting is that e, we are driven for uh, fulfillment of these things in our life, but the truth is it's only when we live for something outside of our life, outside of ourselves, something bigger than ourselves, something more important than ourselves, where we actually find our authentic happiness and fulfillment in life. So isn't that interesting? So on the one hand, I'm, I'm driven to fulfill these needs and desires in my life. But what's ha what's interesting is that I'm actually never fulfilled in the most important ones until I live for something outside of my own needs, wants, and desires. And so, you know, I think that that's what's so fascinating is that we discover meaning and purpose in our lives when we stop living only for ourselves. Absolutely. That's a paradox. It really is because, I mean, it's you feel like one shouldn't lead to the other, but they do, right? Like, yeah. and, and, and that idea of like truly understanding how you fit, what your purpose is, it feels like you would need to pursue that with all your heart and really start, you know, really be focused on yourself, right? Mm -hmm. But you actually discover it the most when you're focused on the kingdom and focused yeah. on serving others and focused on reaching others for the kingdom. That's when you really unlock, oh, I get who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Like truly and really understand. So that, and that's fulfillment, right? Yeah. But it's, it's fascinating how you get there. You, yeah. The, how you get there is so paradoxical. It is. So talk to me about how this paradox ties in with the theme for the year. Well, the theme for the year at Foothills Christian Church is, uh, build or I'm sorry, expand the kingdom of God. And Pastor Harv introduced that last week to the church and the purpose for the church focusing on this is to align itself with what Jesus is doing in the world. Uh, now, the salty pastor is going to mirror this theme throughout the year. And what we want to explore is a very simple question. Through this whole year, we're going to explore this question. What happens to you as an individual? What happens to your faith? What happens to your life, to your soul, when you engage in what Jesus is doing in and through his kingdom, mm. right? So uh, on Sunday, last Sunday, Pastor Harv preached out of uh, Matthew 28, and he, he dug into what is commonly known as the Great Commission. And this is where Jesus said, this was the end of his ministry here on earth in the gospel according to Matthew right before he ascended into heaven. And he says this, it says, verse 16, Now the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had designated to them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I have commanded. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So this is commonly known as the Great Commission. Mm -hmm. and I've heard of it. You've heard of it. Uh, if you're a new listener to Salty Pastor, it's basically where Jesus really articulates what the point and purpose of his kingdom is about here on earth. And then if you jump over to the first chapter of Acts, it picks up right here where it left off. It basically says... As he ascends, basically, right after he says this, he goes yeah. up and, and yeah. you don't see him. And right. Luke Luke records um, some other things that he said, you know, because he, here Matthew says he gives them this commission. Right. And then all authority has been given unto me. And then in the Luke 
account in Acts chapter 1, he says, you will receive power. So authority is always linked to power, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's, this power is going to come on. So he's talking about the Holy Spirit, right. right, is the power. And he says, you will be my witnesses. And so he says, and then he says from, you know, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even the remotest parts of the earth. And so what's fascinating is it kind of, Matthew gives us the commission Acts 1 gives us the strategy or the method okay. of how it's done. And so they fit really, really well together. But if we focus on just the commission part, it's really interesting because a commission is an instruction given to a person or group of persons, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the, the second definition of it is a, uh, a group of people officially charged with a particular function. And since this was written or spoken to a group of people, the second definition is more apropos. You like that word, apropos? Yes. Yes. Well, Jesus gives all who follow him a particular function in this world. And, and that, I think that's really important, that when you follow Christ, you understand that your life uh, has greater value because you've been given this unique function. Now, you can discover what it is. It takes time, but it means that you're not a mistake. You're not an accident. I was going to say that feels way better than uh, your cosmic dust that actually yeah. showed. Yeah, it has no line. purpose. But you do. Your life does have purpose to it, and it can make a difference. And so that's really cool. He says that every person has a function in this world. And he, he goes on to articulate, this is what the function is, making disciples. So how do we make disciples? And he tells us, he says, well, first, Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which to me is that that whole essence of, of baptism is this really incredible notion of a changing your allegiance, right? Right. It's a public um, declaration, right? Like, it's a public declaration. You know, it, in, in the first three centuries of the church, it was really interesting, is that if you wanted to follow Christ, you'd start to learn. You'd go to uh, what they call the catechism, you know, and it was like, well, we want to teach you the doctrines of the the faith and the reason they did this is because the the world's way of thinking was so foreign to this biblical worldview, and so <clears throat> you would do that, and then at the end you could decide, yeah, I, I want to be all in. Okay, so it was based on the teaching of Jesus, where he says you need to count the cost, right? If you want to be my disciple, you have to deny yourself, pick up your cross, follow me. And then he goes on to say, you know, no one starts to build a tower you know, without for sitting first and counting the cost, other you run out of money and look like an idiot. Right. And so uh, this was their form of, okay, we want you to know what you're signing up for. And then on Easter, when they celebrated the resurrection of Jesus, is when they would baptize all these people. They'd go down to the river, have a massive baptism thing. is really cool. And what they would do is the way they did it was so fascinating to me, is that you would start is you would face the, they would, they baptize you at dawn, and you would face the West, right, where it's still dark. And you would say, well, they, they have inscriptions of this uh, in various ways, so this has been confirmed through archaeological evidence, is that, is that what you would say is, and I'll paraphrase it, is that I renounce the kingdom of darkness. Mm. I renounce, and he says in Ephesians uh, chapter 6, the rulers and principalities of this present world. I renounce the philosophies in the doctrines of this world. So you renounce the old kingdom, and then you would turn to the east with the rising sun, and you say, and I now 
pledge my allegiance to the kingdom of light. I enter into the kingdom of light, mm. you know, the kingdom of Christ. And so, so this notion of, of Matthew, I think, is picking up on this, right? And it's really cool because he, he's basically saying that you're, you go and make a disciple. And the first thing you do is you have them change their allegiance from the world to Jesus. What's interesting is uh, my university actually took a, a, and I'm sure other universities have done it, they've taken a, a, a similar thing where you walk under the bell tower going east to west when yeah. you very first start, uh, when you come in as a freshman. Yeah. And then when you graduate, you walk from west to east yeah. through the bell tower. Oh, interesting. Like, or no, it would be vice versa because you would turn towards the sun. Like, so you're... Yeah. That you're going into the light of enlightenment, right? Yeah. It's kind of the idea. So it's interesting that they probably, that university probably picked that up from that yeah. old thing. But what I think is really interesting is that this idea of, can you give us just a brief, sometimes I worry that if you're a, a newer listener to the Salty Pastor, you're not super versed in Christian, what does disciple mean? Can you give us a brief understanding? Because the, the right. call to make disciples, I, I think is super important, but I think sometimes we can get, so lost in the terminology that you're like, I don't know what that means. Well, we could give you a big, you know, you know, eloquent description of the whole thing and definition, but it basically means this, follow. Follow. Be a follower. Follower. Be a follower. A disciple is a person who wants to follow. I want to follow. You know, I'm not here with my own agenda. Um, On Christmas Eve, we said it this way, is that in the kingdom of Jesus, there's only one rhythm, right? Right. And it's the beat of the heart of Jesus. So you can't bring your own drummer. Right. And you can't drum to the beat of your own drummer in the kingdom of Jesus. You have to want to follow, right? And so that's really what a disciple is. So he says, look, how do you become a follower? Well, the first thing you do is you change your allegiance because it's really hard to follow halfway. Yes. You know, it's very, very difficult to do that. And he says, the first thing you do is you get baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You're not getting baptized into a religion. You're not getting baptized into an organization. You're not getting baptized into the Illuminati. You're being <laughs> baptized into what? You know, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Jesus Christ. That's where you're, so it's a relationship with him. You know, it's that public declaration of that. So, so that's what you're doing when you get baptized. He says, so the first thing we do is we, we solidify. Jesus says, go and make disciples. First thing you do is you help people change their allegiance. And Harv made a really great point in his message. He goes, it doesn't say in here that you have to believe all the right things first. He doesn't say you have to get your life in order first. You don't have to get rid of all these sins and your own power, clean yourself up and change your clothes and cut your hair and the way you speak and blah, 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 get rid of all your bad habits, and then you get baptized. It doesn't work that way. He says all you have to do is change your allegiance. That's it. You're and sure. so you got to show up and change your allegiance. It would be like it would be like the idea of like, well, you can't go to the hospital unless everything's all your bones are fixed and yeah. you're not bleeding everywhere. Like you're not allowed to go in there unless and and Jesus is like, nope, that's, that's why I'm here. <laughs> the the best know, time to go is if you're not yeah. perfectly quaffed and like have all your bones and everything put together. Which I mean, I I think in today's culture, some people would believe they have to fix their hair before they go to the hospital. <laughs> but uh, I I think that that's the idea, right? Like if you break it down like that, I mean, that's an oversimplification. But a lot of people start thinking that way of, hey, I need to have all everything fixed in my thing before I go to the hospital where they'll fix fix me. Wait, exactly. Yeah, you know, that's just it is. And why do you want to go to the hospital when you get, like, you, if you have an accident, your car wreck, and your body's broken, you say, take me to the hospital yeah. as fast as you can. Why? Because they help fix, fix you. 
you know, it, that's a that's a form of allegiance, right? Your allegiance is to the hospital, mm-hmm. to to the medical profession in that regard, physically. And so it makes perfect sense to me that well, if you're broken spiritually, emotionally, intellectually, what do you want to do? You want to change your allegiance. And so he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then the second thing he says is teach them to obey or follow what he has said. And the word obey and follow is very interesting in the Greek, and it has a very unique flavor to it. And it's kind of, it's like imitation, right? He says, teach them to imitate me. So uh, Jesus has the authority then to do this because of what he accomplished through the cross and the resurrection. And he's now commissioning us to be a part of what he has done and is doing in this world. And that's why the commission is great. Because what it does is it says, Jesus is doing all this incredible stuff, and he wants you to be a part of it. And so the Great Commission, you know, is kind of like, uh, it's like an engine, right? There's a lot of power in an engine, a lot of torque, a lot of energy, a lot of power. And uh, what this engine does, this commissioning does for you in your life is it it, uh, powers the growth of your faith. Uh, It also powers the growth of the kingdom of God, right, which is what it's supposed to do. So when I understand my function, uh, my role in the kingdom of Jesus, then I can answer the biggest question that every human being has asked since the beginning of time, and that is, why am I here? What, What makes this commission great is because when I discover it, I'm discovering my place in the world, my function, my value, my identity. My life has a reason for its existence. And so that's why it's so great and so powerful, like an engine. Yeah, I think I like that analogy you're using as an engine because I think of like a lot of people kind of, if you're if we're taking it further, if your faith is a car, your car can be comfortable. Like I've slept in a car while traveling down the road. <laughs> it has a heater, it has a radio. But if your goal is to actually get somewhere in your faith, which yeah. is your car, you have to have an engine. Yeah. It can look as cool as it wants. It can look as nice as you want. But if it can't go anywhere, then it's completely useless for the purpose it your, was made. Your car has no engine. It doesn't do anything, right? It doesn't do anything. And so, I mean, that engine discovering that, oh, if I really want to grow my faith, if I want my faith to go places, then this is the way we do it. It's through the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. That is such a key understanding of how your faith works and how you can grow it and how you can actually be like really transform your life in the way your faith walk is so yeah one of the uh so what's one of the main ways we kind of align ourselves with this great commission like if that's our engine if that's the way we're going to go places in our faith then how do we kind of align to that? Like we just go out and start screaming at people on a street corner. Like what's the, what's the plan here, pastor? Well, have you, have you ever heard of the, uh, concept in physics? Three points, make a plane. No. Okay. Uh, three legged stool. Yes. Okay. So in order for, uh, a stool, the thing you sit on, the seat of the stool is called the plane. Okay. In order for a plane to be stable, it has to have three points. Of contact. Yeah, three points of contact. Okay. So that's what creates stability. That's why all movie cameras and all that kind of stuff are 
put on tripods. Yes. Right? Now you're speaking my language. Now I'm speaking your language. See? <laughs> so tripods, the great thing about tripods is this, is that unlike uh, quad pods, like a four-legged chair, what happens when you have a four-legged table or a four-legged chair? One of the things that always happens is- You can if, rock forward and then- You can rock forward and back. The other thing too is that if they're not all perfect, what happens? You, they click, yep, right? Tilting. Yeah, they move. tilt. You know when you go to the restaurant and you have oh, a table, it is like- so you're like wadding up, folding up napkins to shove under the legs. So because you you know you're eating your table, where your water is going to end up in your lineup <laughs> instead of your mouth. So, but a three a three points are stable even in unstable situations. Yes, right. That's the beauty of it. And so and and so uh, what I love about that is you know the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is the the three point stable plane of the kingdom of Jesus. Mm-hmm. It has all the power, all authority, and complete stability. But that's more of an abstract uh, theological discussion. In this regard, one of the legs, okay, of the Great Commission engine that gives it stability is transformational relationships, is discipleship is all about a relationship that's transformational. Uh, Jesus says, go and make followers of me, okay? Then he says, teach them. Teach comes from the Greek word didaskalos, and what that word actually means, it's to give, right? So when he says teach, what what they would say is go, what I want you to do is I want you to find someone who will enter, you know, follow, and then I want you to give to them everything that I have given to you. Okay. See? And so... It's a, it's a baton passing of things. But what's interesting is the baton you're passing is not a physical baton. It's an abstract baton. See, it's a baton of, of things like love. It's about obedience. It's about knowledge of who God is and what he's doing in the world. It's about knowledge of yourself, who you really are, and how you're made in the image of God, but you have a cancer that needs to be cured, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why Christ came. The role of Jesus uh, and his death on the cross and resurrection from the dead and what that means and how you are now empowered to overcome these things. You're no longer bound to the power of death. You've been set free. These are all abstract concepts, right? That's not what you're passing. And so how do you give something to somebody else that's abstract? You can only do it in a relationship, you know? Um, for instance, let's illustrate it this way. A man meets a girl, right? He spends time with her, says, I love you. Would you marry me? And then she says, yes. And then they get married. And the day after he gets married, he moves to Europe to build a business. And he doesn't see her for the next 10 years. Would anybody say that he loves her? No. No. So... You can use words like love. You can use words like commitment. You can use words like loyalty. But those words have no meaning without the relationship which the meaning occurs. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so in the exact same way, what Jesus is saying is discipleship is all about transformational relationships. Okay? So I think the uh, Apostle Paul captures this perfectly in his letter to Timothy. Now, 
just real quick. The, the two letters to Timothy and the letter to Titus are called the pastoral epistles, and they were written the last things that Paul wrote before he was executed. Okay. So these are the very last things that he's writing, and he's writing to somebody, you know, these guys that he has discipled and he loves, and so that's why First and Second Timothy are such important books to ministers, right, to other pastors. They read them a lot because it— tells you a lot about how you're supposed to do your ministry okay. and what you're supposed to focus on. And so so a lot of pastors study these. And so 2 Timothy, the last letter he wrote in the, it's 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2 says this, you therefore my son. So notice he calls him his son, mm-hmm. right? He says, you therefore my son, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. Okay? Be strong. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful people who will be able to teach others also. So notice everything that is power-packed into this verse. Number one, we're called to be strong. And what is it that we're always talking about on The Salty Pastor? Our goal is to help coach you up so that you are courageous, confident, and mature in your faith. Because once you're at that point, you can navigate just about anything in your life, right? Right. Number two, what we know today, what you and I talk about, what we know in the, in, uh, from the Scriptures comes from the apostles. You know, the, the New Testament was written by the apostles, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all the letters of Paul, First uh, Peter, all of these things written by apostles, pretty much. Not 100%, but vast majority of the New Testament written by apostles who were all eyewitnesses to Jesus Christ. All of, including Paul. He was an eyewitness to Christ because that was one of the criteria at the end of chapter one of the book of Acts in order to become an apostle. They replaced Judas and it said he had to be an eyewitness. And so we know that Paul was an eyewitness of the crucifixion of Jesus. So long and short of it is this, is that eyewitnesses are the ones who recorded Jesus and it's through their accounts that we learn about Jesus in order that we can come to know Jesus in a personal way. So it's it's the the power is in the revelation to establish a relationship. Did you catch that? The power of the revelation is its ability to establish a relationship. And so the power of the revelation is built upon the inspiration of God in the Holy Scriptures and that these were eyewitnesses of Jesus. So they're testifying to Jesus. And so we read these testimonies as, as true, we believe them, and then, wow, we're able now to have a relationship with Jesus. So the revelation brings the relationship. So that's why the revelation and the inspiration of the Word of God is so critically important and why we emphasize it so much, why the Bible is so important, because it is what opens the door to this relationship. Okay? Um, but notice what he says next. He goes, I gave you these things which you have heard me give you in the presence of many witnesses. So the truths that I'm sharing, the testimony of Jesus that I am sharing, has been repeated over and over and over again. It's been tested. It's been vetted. You know, hundreds and hundreds, maybe even thousands of people have heard the same truth over and over and over again. So there's, there, that's, that's a really powerful testimony about right. its accuracy. And then he says this. He goes, what I want you to do Take these truths that lead to Jesus, and I want you to find faithful people. I want you to entrust them to them 
so they can go and teach other people as well. And so we know that we are hitting the target of transformational relationships when those we have discipled into Christ begin discipling other people, right? That's when we know we've done a good job. So let's just use this as an illustration. You've been working for me for three or four years. And so over that time, you know, we have a professional relationship. We also have a personal relationship. And I'm trying to disciple you, right? Right. And I'm trying to say, these are the things that are important in your personal growth, your personal faith, your walk with Jesus. And so the, the point where my sharing with you actually has a power to it or uh, uh, I want to say veracity to it, we know that it's real, is when you start doing it in the lives of other people with the hope they'll do the same thing. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. So, and that's what you started to do. So it's not receiving from me. It's, it's receiving and then internalizing, right? And then you start doing it. Right. And that's what makes it so powerful. And that's what he's talking about here. See, it's, it's, he's saying that the most important thing about following Jesus is being part of transformational relationships. That's what it is. It's a transformational discipleship, discipling relationship. And that's what's so critical. And that's that, that, what, that main leg of that three-prong engine that gives power to your faith. Absolutely. I think that's really important that it's not, it doesn't, that the key word is transformational, right? In the yes. relationship. You're not just hanging out with people. You're not just like, oh, we just like, you know, get dinner occasionally and like. Right. Golf buddies, beer buddies. Like. Yeah. Sports buddies. It could start there. It could be part of your relationship. But if that's as far as it ever goes, that's not discipleship. That's hanging out. Hanging You're out. You're not transforming anything. Correct. And if those people don't at some point grow up and mature and they start transforming other people, you're really not hitting the mark. Or if you've been receiving for so long and you just receive, 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 and you never internalize it enough to go, okay, now I'm going to go and teach someone else, then you're really inhibiting your engine, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I'm I'm not an engine guy, but I, a three-piston motor, those aren't typically great, right? But like in the- Oh, in diesels, three a three-cylinder diesel, man, is the bomb. And it's the most stable- power-packed engine that you can get. But two is probably not good, right? <laughs> well, the earliest ones, those old tractors, had opposing two cylinders, and they were the, I mean, they were the size of pizza dishes, man. I should, they were on there. I should use something that I'm more uh, comfortable with. But if you're if you're getting rid of one of the legs of your, of your stability by not continuing to transform other things, you're now on a two-legged thing that's definitely not going to be supportive of stability, right? Because well, well, see, that's the key. Because I think what you're trying to get at is, and this is very important in engines, and this is the difference between opposing cylinders and the V8 and the inline. They're all designed this way for one specific reason, and that's balance. Okay. Because what they're doing is they're spinning this drive shaft, and if that drive shaft gets out of balance, guess what happens? You throw a rod, you blow your engine up. Right. So it's got to be perfectly balanced. So when one is firing the other one is in opposite of that right and so they have to work in exact tandem with each other and they have to be balanced so that's why you have them in two three four then you go to six and then you go to eight and then 
then they go to even numbers. Right. And the reason why is because the physics of the engine requires a perfect balance as it's creating power to rotate the shaft. So if we take this to our you know faith journey, the the expanding of the kingdom of God, of God, where we have to have this piston firing. Yes. And otherwise we're out of balance and we're not growing our own faith and we're not growing the kingdom of God. That transformational relationship, the discipleship relationship has to be a key part that is being done. Otherwise you're out of balance and nothing is growing. That's correct. Transformational relationships are part of the Great Commission engine. It is the only engine that grows or expands the kingdom of God. It's also the engine that grows your personal faith because it, what it does is it, it keeps you in balance and growing, and that's critical. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Pastor, for um, sharing this with us. I'm really excited to see how the year goes. I think this is a great way to start out with Pastor Harv introducing the Great Commission yeah. and then you really breaking it down and explaining it even more so that we understand this is not just an optional task in our faith walk, right? This is a key balanced component of our faith walk, and we need to be pursuing it, and I'm sure— we're going to talk even more about that on Thursday, but I have to say we hit a milestone today, Pastor. Oh, Doug. my goodness. Our milestone is this is our 365th episode, so now everyone <laughs> has enough episodes to go through an entire year of the Salty Pastor listening every single day if they wanted to. They could hear our voices in their head <laughs> oh my goodness. for a year. Which I sincerely hope no one attempts to do that. I also hope no one attempts to do that. That is not a challenge. That's just a fun fact. So <laughs> thank you guys so much for joining us. If you want to help support the Salty Pastor podcast, we're 365 episodes in. We are not something that's just blowing out after a couple episodes. We're here to make a real impact. Um, you can do that by going to foothills.org slash give to help support us financially, to help us reach more people. We are trying to reach more people. We are trying to be part of the Great Commission through this podcast. And um, you guys can help us support that financially so that it can really um, continue making an impact and not um, just stop. Yeah. How do they do that? And they do that through foothills.org slash give. Okay. And then. They pick the Salty Pastor. Salty Pastor okay. on the donation page, and that'll support this ministry directly. So thank you guys so much for joining us, and we'll see you on Thursday here on the Salty Pastor Podcast. Happy New Year. Let's rock for Jesus.